So if you're listening to this, I am super confident that by now you have heard that CVS has purchased Aetna for $69 billion. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for our patients? I think day to day, the average pharmacist is probably not going to feel the effects of this. I think we're just going to be worrying about more what the future is going to be like. But in terms of what prices will be like for the consumers, I do think that it is likely to either stay the same, but also probably increase because being that these two really big players in healthcare are merging, that's going to actually provide for less opportunities for competition in terms of uh, drug pricings and things like that. And I do think it's going to result in a lot of uh, money being saved by these large companies, but I don't think that's going to translate into cheaper healthcare for consumers. Now, to pay for all this, I don't know how, you know, if CVS is planning to somehow offset that with uh, cutting any sort of positions, but I have been hearing that there are rumors of potential restructuring to middle management and uh, potential layoffs possibly looming uh, for some people that are at corporate for CVS. So I do think there might be some shakeups in terms of district manager positions. I mean, it just to me, it makes sense because when they acquired Target Pharmacy, there was uh, the district managers were uh, they stayed in role and there, which was very close to other district managers of other CVSs in the area. So to me, it just made sense at some point that the the district managers would be streamlined as to where the regular district managers of the standalone stores would actually start becoming district managers of the stores inside of the targets. So uh, I guess time will tell, but uh, hopefully, you know, if anyone is affected by this, I, I do hope that they are taken care of by the company and they're able to, you know, find new positions and continue on with their career. I wanted to talk today a little bit about branding and share my experience with it and, and how important it is. And this is not picking on CVS or anything, but this is just um, a, a story of my personal experience. I was actually a target pharmacist when the uh, announcement and, and news was made that CVS was acquiring Target Pharmacy. And it, it was a crazy experience for me because I had I was working at my my pharmacy for at that time it was about a year. And I had such an awesome relationship with most almost all of the patients that that were regulars with me. But when that news was announced and they saw that CVS was taking over that pharmacy, there were some patients that were vowing never to come back to that pharmacy again which was crazy because it had nothing to do with me and the relationship and the care that I provided to those patients, but it had everything to do with the brand of CVS. And Target Pharmacy had such an awesome brand, and it was just so so apparent to me how important it is that branding uh, you know, eventually can be everything. And I do think that CVS is going to continue, especially with all the news that's going on with them and the acquisitions that they're making. I think CVS is going to survive in current landscape of where healthcare is going, but I don't, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win the thing. Like, I don't think they're going to win it all. I think the, the company that has the branding uh, and, and ability to provide care and to provide uh, services and, and take care of people and generally take care of people with, with their branding I think is who's going to win. And unfortunately, I just don't know if uh, companies like CVS is going to have has that DNA in them. Today, I wanted to talk about Alexa versus the pharmacist. After seeing that this technology was out there, I was a little concerned that this likely would be replacing our jobs in the future. You know, working in a pharmacy, we get some pretty simple questions like where's the aspirin? How do I treat a burn? Um, but we also get some things that are pretty complicated, like my mom has diabetes, history of a stroke, allergic, she's allergic to penicillin, and she's congested. What could I give her? And I think that the 
you know, the first two questions are some things that uh, this new these new types of technologies are going to be able to handle, you know, simple questions. Um, but there's some there's a lot of questions that we get in the pharmacy that are pretty complicated. It would take a lot of coding and a lot of manpower and a, and, and a very large team of, of healthcare providers and pharmacists to be able to code to be able to code all the pathways and all the different possibilities that some of these questions could go to make sure they get the right um, the right answer for their question. However, I do think that there are a lot of questions that we can simply program an Alexa to answer for us. And I think we need to start embracing this technology and try to use it um, as, as a way to free up maybe some of our time. Because a lot of the questions that we get, people can just go onto Google and get the answer. Um, and or Medscape or or uh, what's the other or WebMD and you know these things are out there but yet they still haven't replaced what the pharmacist's role or even the you know or even the physician's role is and I think that's pretty telling I, I think that it's apparent that all the knowledge that we have is yes it's on the internet but it's so much more what we do you know the, the amount of analyzing and the amount of emotional intelligence we have to have the influences that we have to have on people, all these things play a role in terms of why we're really not going to get replaced by uh, by technology so quickly. And, and a lot of people are scared about it, but I really don't think what we do is going anywhere. But I do think we need to embrace some of the these technologies and see how they're going to work and see how we can use them in our everyday careers. Hey guys, today I wanted to introduce you to a good buddy of mine, Dr. Jay Hazelcorn. He's going to talk a little bit about transplant pharmacy. Hey guys, my name is Jay Hazelcorn and I'm a transplant pharmacist. I'm really passionate about my field. I feel that transplant pharmacists have a real uh, potential to be impactful to patient care. We serve as a, a great resource to all of our patients and family members and caregivers as these patients go from one medication regimen to having to learn a totally different medication regimen after transplant and the education and why we take these medications is very important uh, for these patients. So we have a big role in that and then also working together with a multidisciplinary team with all the different providers to make sure that we're providing the best care possible for these patients is, is really important. I will have to say that organ donation is a powerful thing if you do decide to become a, an organ donor, which is a, a personal choice, it's a powerful choice that could actually impact and save up to uh, eight people. So one donation can save up to eight lives. And you could find more information about organ donation from the United Network of Organ Sharing. And they have a great section on myths about or organ donations or who can and cannot be an, an organ donator. And yeah, I recommend everybody to check it out. Safety first, teamwork second. It's a fun motto I like to live my life by. You know, it's like when you're on a flight and they're giving you that instructional video at the beginning and they're saying if there's a drop in cabin pressure to make sure that you secure your oxygen mask first before helping others, it's the same concept. But as a pharmacist or any other healthcare provider for that matter, this model has to also apply to our careers, not just for our next flight. We all want to provide quality care for our patients for our entire careers, not just for when we're starting out. But how can we expect to passionately provide the care to our patients they deserve if we ourselves are not making sure that we're taken care of, that we're enjoying our environment, we're, we're feeling fulfilled, that we're, you know, we can't do that if we're outright unhappy. How can we sustain the ability to provide the best care possible to our patients? We can't. 
it will not last. That genuine smile to every patient will soon be forced. That extra step to ensure the right medication gets to the right patient might soon be skipped as you mumble to yourself, she should be fine or he should be fine. The care you provide now might not be the same quality that you provide in 20 years if you're not happy with your career. So as a healthcare provider, please start thinking about how long your career is going to be and realize that once you get to work, the cabin pressure has just dropped. Is your mask on? With all the really big mergers happening in healthcare, small independent community pharmacies are really going to have to start thinking outside of the box um, like they've always have been to to try to compete with uh, these larger chains because it's just going to continue to get more difficult and you know as the time goes on and as more mergers happen there's going to be a lot of decisions from a macro standpoint that's going to have to change probably for independence to continue to to survive and thrive but there's also I think some micro changes that are going to be needed as well and uh, I have a couple I have a couple of ideas I think that personal texting, text messaging is going to have to become a thing with community pharmacies because one, it's easy to do. It saves a lot of time instead of having to call someone. But in addition, uh, the reason why I think, you know, manual texting is going to be important versus just having a, a system robotically text message someone is because people know the difference. People know when uh, you, you know, John, the pharmacist texts Sally, they, they know it's it, it would be you versus a computer texting them. So. For example, if you text Sally that, hey, you know, this is John the pharmacist, you have some medications ready, it's going to be different from her getting a standard text message from some computer robot reminding it's now time to pick up. And I think that personal text might actually drive adherence, might drive customer loyalty, and uh, could potentially be a, a, a distinguisher between uh, an independent pharmacy versus a larger community pharmacy. One other thing I think that would be very interesting to see is if an independent pharmacy came up with like a run, walk, or jog club. And I think it would drive, you know, a sense of community. I think it would also promote physical activity and and also build brand awareness for why you as a small independent community pharmacy uh, is different from a large retail. You know, in addition to in addition to one of these uh, run, walk, or jog clubs pairing with a a local gym in the area to possibly offer up uh, raffles for maybe a gym membership or, or just becoming creative uh, in, in ways to promote physical activity and, and better health and brand awareness for both your pharmacy and also maybe even with a, a local uh, gym in your area. Having the title pharmacist means you do have to be a medication expert. However, this isn't the key to being a great pharmacist. It actually depends on your ability to build relationships. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you can't influence the decision making or the behaviors of people, that knowledge will really get you nowhere and it can go to waste. You have to be able to build trusting relationships with people, whether it be relationships with other healthcare providers on the team at a hospital or institution or relationships with your patients in the community setting. These relationships are what's going to allow you to deploy your knowledge for better patient care. So pharmacist or aspiring pharmacists, start making it a priority to audit your relationships with people. Start seeing how you can make these better because your ability to be a great pharmacist depends on it. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about the future of at-home medication management. There's a lot of technologies that are being developed right now and that are actually out and into the market right now that are involving pill packaging. Now, 
traditionally what we're used to are these standard pill boxes where people organize either day to day or their, um, you know, morning, evening and night pills inside of a pill box. So you just open and close. But these pill boxes are that are coming out now are extremely advanced. Um, they are starting to catch up with, you know, today's technology and are helping people with managing and staying on top of their medications at home. Now, this is an interesting opportunity for pharmacists because a lot of the time some of these things are complicated and, you know, patients that are on, you know, 10 or more medications uh, can be a little bit older and not understand fully the technology. So this is an opportunity for pharmacists to uh, step in with their expertise on medication management and help them with these technologies help them with setting these things up to better optimize how they're taking their medications. And I'm not sure if the, uh, you know, average pharmacists today are aware of, of these technologies and what's available out there. So I would really start taking the time to do some research, figure out what these technologies look like and how you can have an impact on patients' lives in better managing their medications at home if they're beginning to use uh, one of these super advanced pill boxes. Today, I want to talk about MTM. What you have to realize is that MTM is going to be what community pharmacy is now. We are not going to be dispensing medications anymore one day. Robots and technology, it's really going to take care of that. And we have to understand that MTM is going to be what we do. There's not going to be a, oh, I'm a pharmacist and I also do MTM or, you know, I run a pharmacy that also provides MTM services. MTM is going to be what we do as pharmacists. You now have to start thinking about how you're going to start developing the skills to successfully be able to provide these services. We're super concerned now about who's going to pay for it and what patients are going to be seeing that value, but eventually everyone's going to pay for it. Everyone's going to see the value and it's going to be up to us to be able to deliver on those services and not let some, and not let other healthcare providers, you know, provide the services that we should be providing. Soon there will be a pharmacist or a company that will provide these services that will demonstrate how profitable it is, that will demonstrate the value that we can bring. And it's going to be, and it's going to scale up from there. And I just want everyone to know that it's going to be coming. We need to be ready. Start thinking about it. Hey guys, really hope you enjoyed that recap of the Alexa briefings from this past week. If you have an Alexa, make sure to add us in your Alexa flash briefing. You can literally just ask Alexa to add RX Radio to your flash briefing and it'll automatically download it. Or you can search on the Alexa skill store, just search RX Radio or you can search pharmacy and it'll pop up uh, on the first page. Also in the store, you can give us a rating. We'd really appreciate your feedback. We'd like to know what you think about it. Flash briefings are fairly new, so any feedback on how to make this better is going to be greatly appreciated. And until next time, see you over the counter.